simple thought today. We're going to discuss and just address this issue of moderation. Moderation. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 16. There we read, Hast thou found honey? Eat so much as is sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith and vomit it. <laughs> what a wonderful passage. <clears throat> Coming off of this last week. What a wonderful thing. But anyway, <clears throat> hast thou found honey? Eat so much as is sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith and vomit it. <clears throat> this evening... We want to note the value of moderation. And, uh, of course, in our particular passage here, someone has found some honey. And honey, of course, is natural sugar. It's nature sugar, if you will. And <clears throat> it's important to note that God is in no way condemning honey, okay? He's not saying if you eat honey, you're crazy. That's not what he's saying at all. Uh, he does give instruction as to its consumption, however. And um, he states that a man shouldn't eat more than is sufficient. You just should eat what's sufficient. And, you know, God created man, and he, he knows uh, that, <clears throat> unfortunately, in the, in the flesh, we're prone to indulge. And uh, that's pretty natural, isn't it? So in this particular case, he warns us and says, now, listen, you need to be very careful with this. You, you have to be very weary of indulgence. So eating honey is not wrong, but eating too much will make you sick. And as he says... Make you vomit even. Now, I've never had that much honey. As a matter of fact, I'm not really a honey eater. <clears throat> now, I, I, I just, uh, I've never, you know, we didn't grow up on honey. I don't know. We just ate the real thing, sugar. <clears throat> you know? But as my children grew up, they, of course, my wife was a little more, I guess, conscious that those days, uh, you know, when I grew up, it wasn't nearly as big a deal, I suppose, but... As you know, we've progressed, uh, if that's what you call it, and uh, <clears throat> we've come to the place where we say, oh, sugar, you know, all these different types of sugars and this and that, it's all bad for you, and, you know, uh, so you've got to eat honey, or you have to have some kind of substitute, and all of those things. And unfortunately, as we learn more and more, we realize that if there's any, uh, you know, genetically altered substitutes, they're just that, genetically altered, and they're probably no better than anything else. <clears throat> but what we realize is that anything... Anything in excess, anything uh, that we indulge in, that we don't uh, do in moderation, can become detrimental to us. And that's what we really realize. And so, you know, if you say, well, I sh you should never, ever, 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 ever touch a piece of candy. I, I don't know, but let me say this. You better be careful that you do it in moderation if you do do it. So you have to be careful with that. And that's true with anything. I mean, I'd love to eat a big, thick steak every once in a while, but I don't think I'd want to have one every single day for every single meal. Now, of course, you know, at least twice a day I could eat pizza, but outside of that, I don't know about, you know, otherwise. But moderation is the key, is it not? Uh, cider, uh, you know, you, you come fall, come fall, most enjoy a cup of cider. And they enjoy, you know, a few donuts, maybe a donut hole with that cider. And, uh, you know, sit around a fire, drink a cup of hot cider can be kind of relaxing, actually. You know, and that's, you know, kind of, uh, we'll begin, you know, with the fall season's a nice season for that. And cider's good. But I do want to warn you to drink it in moderation. I want to do that, all right? <clears throat> According to the passage, there's nothing wrong with a sufficient amount of cider. Nothing at all wrong with that. But according to the passage, on the other hand, 
you know, too much could produce a violent reaction. Well, for years, we had a teen harvest party that I would attend on a regular basis, and one of the highlights of that particular activity was, you know, um, a cider drinking contest. And, you know, 16s would line up along uh, in a row, you know, and each of them would be handed a, a, a half gallon of Mark's most wonderful cider. You know, we, we spared no expense. <clears throat> and they, the, the idea was to see who could be the first to finish a half gallon of cider. And um, the race, of course, would begin. And, boy, I mean, people got to chugging and they were just having a good old time and you know, you wouldn't really think it was that big a deal, right? Chugging down a, a little bit of cider like that. But I've watched year after year after year, and, and I've never watched one of those. Not one of those have I ever watched. And one of those people who has ever truly indulged in a whole half gallon of cider, have I ever seen them walk away? Without, as we said already, an explosive reaction. I mean, I'm telling you, all of a sudden, <clears throat> it, it was like a barfarama, a chunk fest. And it wasn't just that. It was like the sounds created other, you know, it just kind of just brought the worst up in people. Overindulging, my friends. Very dangerous. Indeed, especially with half gallons of cider on a cool fall evening. <clears throat> in Philippians, we read what I believe would probably be a proof text for this particular subject. Turn, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. <clears throat> of course, we have in Proverbs twenty-five sixteen, Hast thou found honey, eat so much as is sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith and vomited. <laughs> Well, in Philippians 4, 5, he states it another way, but I think he states it in a way that all of us can understand in the New Testament. He says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Let your moderation be known unto all men. Now, <clears throat> the definition of moderation is that of restraint of violent passions or indulgence of appetite. To eat and drink with moderation Indulge with moderation in pleasures and exercise. So, restraint of violent passions and indulgence of appetite. Okay, that's what we're talking about, moderation. So, we're talking about restraining ourselves, holding back, if you will. The truth is that too much of anything can be harmful for us, isn't it? That's the reality of it, and that's the truth. Jennifer Strange, a 28-year-old wife and mother of three, was found dead in her suburban Rancho Cordova home. <clears throat> Strange is a perfect example of how even something good, when it's not used in moderation, can become fatal even. KDND, 107.9 in Sacramento, California, sponsored a water drinking contest. The station promised a Nintendo Wii video game system for the winner. They would have to, um, as it says here, the contestants began by drinking one eight-ounce bottle of water every 15 minutes. They were not allowed to use the restroom. One of the contestants quit the contest after drinking five bottles, which would be 40 ounces. He said, my bladder couldn't handle it anymore. He had to get out of the contest. He couldn't take it. Big wimp. 
but maybe he was pretty wise. <laughs> After he quit, he said, the remaining contestants, included strange, including Strange, were given even bigger bottles to drink. After reportedly consuming almost two gallons of water for the purpose of the, con- the contest, Jennifer went home and died. It was determined that Strange died of water intoxication according to a coroner's, a coroner's office. The coroner said she died from water intoxication. I mean, you talk about water, we would say, that's crazy. There's no way in the world you can drink too much water. Well, without using the restroom, you can, that's for sure. And unfortunately, this mother passed away and died, all in an attempt to get a wee for her children. Listen, because of our propensity as human beings to indulge in everything... We have to heed this warning that the Lord gives us, especially this warning of moderation in Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. You may not believe it, but did you know that you can get too much sleep? Researchers at the University of Warwick's Warwick Medical School studied 10,308 British civil servants in two different time periods. Two different time periods. Now, this is a very old study, but between 19... 85 and 1988, and then in 1992 and 1993. The study found that seven hours of sleep is optimal. Too little or too much can be detrimental. Now, what the study also went on to say was subjects who cut the duration of their sleep from seven hours to five hours a night had a 1.7-fold increased risk of death from all causes within the ensuing 11 to 17 years, according to the research. They also had twice the increased risk of death from cardiovascular problems. But more surprising than that, scientists found those individuals who increased the number of hours they slept per night from seven to eight hours or more were more than twice as likely to die within 11 to 17 years as those who kept sleeping for seven. They were more likely to die from non-cardiovascular diseases. Now that's interesting to me. Once again, we have an issue of either indulging or overindulging, or you know, indul- of, of, should I say, moderation or overindulging. You know, God's Word is true. Every time we try to somehow prove it not to be, even science continues to fall back and say, guess what? It's right. <clears throat> Greek philosopher, and I've had a hard time pronouncing his name, Democritus, De- Democritus. He said it this way, he said, Throw moderation to the winds, and the greatest pleasures bring the greatest pains. Jean Jacques Roger, you know what? I even wrote a little thing atop. You know how you do that in the dictionary, and you write your own little way to say it? And now I can't read my writing. <clears throat> so Jean Jacques Rosé, I guess, the French philosopher and writer, whose novels inspired the leaders of the French Revolution, made this statement. Temperance and labor are the two best physicians of man. Labor sharpens the appetite, and temperance prevents from indulging to excess. That's something, isn't it? Tonight, I just want to share a few things about a life lived in moderation. Just a couple. Three simple things, and then we'll be done. But we know from the Word of God, very simply put, that our moderation needs to be known unto all men. 
We need to live a life of moderation. And so let's learn what we can about moderation tonight in just a few minutes. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. I want to thank you again for this time together. And Lord, the book of Proverbs is a wisdom book, a wonderful book. And Father, we thank you for how we can learn how to live in it. And Father, how we can become more profitable to you and also prosperous in our lives. Lord, thank you, Father, for the book and for just the wisdom it offers us. Now bless us tonight. May we be encouraged tonight in your word. We'll thank you. We'll praise you as you meet our needs and as you work in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. First of all, moderation will protect you and your loved ones. It will protect you. The overindulgence of anyone, of course, as we've already noted, can be dangerous. Now, of course, we can't help but think of things like alcohol. Now, I have never met a family member of an alcoholic who was happy that dad or mom drank. I've never met that person. Oh, I'm so happy mom and dad drink if they're alcoholics. Now, in the Signs of the Times, December 1993 issue, I read a little article. It says, if there's an alcoholic parent in the family, there's a 50% chance one of the children will become an alcoholic. If there are two alcoholic parents, it's an 85% chance. Now, I don't know, I know that's an old statistic, but you know what? I don't see things getting better around here. I don't see our, uh, things getting, uh, people becoming more wise when it comes to uh, addiction. I don't see that at all. Matter of fact, each year, alcohol on the highway results in physical injuries to 125,000 people. Alcohol is involved in 15,000 homicides and, su- and suicides annually, 20,000 accidental deaths, plus one half of all auto accidents, and the 25,000 deaths they cause. Now listen, I, I don't know about you, but I'm amazed that, you know, a child car seat can fail 10 times and we have to change everything. We change how we function. We change how we, we work. We change how we live, all because of that car seat failing 10 times. But we have hundreds of thousands of people being affected by alcohol every year, and we do absolutely nothing about it because somebody's making a lot of money. It's amazing to me the hypocrisy that exists in our country and in our world. Missionary John Patton, he was invited to a dinner one time of a wealthy friend. Patton noticed that the servant poured a glass of whiskey for his host. Somewhat embarrassed, the man said, well, you know, I take a little whiskey for my cough on my doctor's prescription. Patton asked him, he said, well, how long have you been doing this? He said, well, uh, I've been doing it for eight years. He says, well, is your cough getting any better? Not really. Well, said Patton, the missionary, if I had a doctor who prescribed for me for, four, for eight years and it didn't help me, I'd quit taking his prescriptions and get a new doctor. i tell you something, we need to be very careful. And again, in Christianity, I'm just going to say it. You don't have to agree with it. I don't really care. But I'm going to tell you something. You want to mess around with alcohol, you're a fool. You're out of your mind. You want to go ahead and social drink in your home and stand in front of your children and tip a glass of wine? You're out of your mind. Do you realize that what the parents do in moderation and children do in excess? May I I help you to understand that maybe just holding back a little bit, dying to self a little bit, just might, just might 
save your family from a lot of hurt and heartache one day? It's amazing to me. It's just amazing. How we rationalize issues like this. And when most cases, the overindulgence of, 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 overindulgence of alcohol has destroyed and wrecked and ruined so many families. And you want to know what we all say? That wouldn't be me. Okay. And then we can obviously look to things like drugs. No doubt about it, we could see that. We're all aware of the dangers of illegal drug use and abuse, but you know that there's an epidemic of overindulgence in the area of prescription pain relievers? You realize that? Every day in the United States, 2,500 youth, 12 to 17, abuse a prescription pain reliever for the first time. I said abuse. This is statistics now. In the, in the U.S. alone, more than 15 million people abuse prescription drugs, more than the combined number who reported abusing cocaine, hallucinogens, inhalants, and heroin combined. Can you believe that? Is that amazing? I, I just, you know, in, in 2006 in the United States, 2.6 million people abused prescription drugs for the first time. In 2000, a 2007 survey in the U.S. found that 3.3% of 12 to 17-year-olds and 6% of 17 to 25-year-olds had abused prescription drugs in the past month. Prescription drug abuse causes the largest percentage of deaths from drug overdosing. That's amazing. Of the 22,400 drug overdose deaths in the United States almost 10 years ago, Opiate painkillers were the most commonly found drug, accounting for 38.2% of those deaths. Listen, do not mess around with this prescription drug use. I, I just want to encourage you, be careful. Listen, the first thing doctors want to do is prescribe you something. You be real careful what you're taking. And you be real careful how long you take it. And listen, you better ask somebody else to hold you accountable to it, not you. Because you'll think you need it long after the pains wore off. Just be real careful. I could tell you story after story after story of good godly people who did the most ungodly things because they were affected by prescription drugs. Overindulgence. I don't even think they, they intend to. It just can happen. Why? Because that's our nature to overindulge. That's our human nature. We think of immorality, how things have been turned upside down in our culture and our society today. It affects the individual. Sadly, it affects our, social, our society socially and economically as well. Overindulgence of food, tobacco, television, social media, video games, sports, recreation, exercise, or anything else. And, I, and let me just add this. Overindulgence in anything. I, listen, if you want to sit and read your Bible 24 hours a day, that is not going to be good for you. It's not going to work. Listen, even the Word of God, you have to have, there has to be balance in your life. Overindulgence is, it can be detrimental to you. Everything in moderation. Everything has its place. The abuse of tobacco, alcohol, and illicit drugs is costly to our nation, extracting more than $700 billion annually in cost related to crime, Lost work productivity and health care. You know what I'm saying? Puffing on those cigarettes is killing you. And it's also killing our economy. That's what it's saying. 
causing lung cancer. It's causing all kind of respiratory problems. It's keeping people from working, from being productive. Overindulgence. Listen, it's just another form of it. Hey, what, well, let's talk about let's talk about gluttony then. We can talk about that too. You know, gluttony is not just about overeating. Gluttony is about having to have everything your way, the way you want it all the time. Boy, Burger King's motto, have it your way, literally feeds right into gluttony. I'm not saying that Burger King does because I, I would like to have a burger like that every once in a while. But I'm just telling you that it's an amazing thing how we will want everything our way, but yet we've got control of our food habits. We go to someone's house, oh, I can't eat that, and I can't eat that, and I can't eat that. I have to have it this way, this way, this way, and this way. What in the world? Come on. It sounds to me like you're a little controlled by that stuff. Yeah, come on. That's one of those sensitive topics these days, especially in the public school system. I, I heard, I read recently about a, over, actually it wasn't in our, our, our it was over in uh, Europe, uh, a, a little girl was sent home because, uh, no, she wasn't sent home. She was sent home with an ugly note to her mother because she sent a piece of cake in her lunch. And they were telling her how, how irresponsible that was and how horrible it was to give her kid that particular cake. That was horrible. You're not a very good parent. You literally attacked her as a parent. Amazing to me. You kidding me? But we'll, we'll slam this homosexuality and this transgender junk down the throats of our kids. We'll tell them that they're not, they don't know for sure if they're boys or girls just because they're, you know, uh, I, I, I just had the word and I lost it a second, anatomically a certain way. It's ridiculous. It, it just makes no sense. It's called hypocrisy again. But we have this immorality. So, you know, we see that as well. Overindulgence becomes anti-productive and it ultimately becomes detrimental at some point. So, without a doubt... Moderation will protect you and your loved ones. If you'll learn to be moderate, if you'll not do anything in overindulging, nothing, whether it's television watching, what, but, you know, no matter what it is, be very careful that you don't allow it to fixate or to, to I mean, social media, whatever, even like this morning, we're talking about that texting and all that stuff. Be really careful with that. Those things can be detrimental. It's not that they're bad in and of themselves necessarily, but boy, I tell you what, too much of anything becomes a bad thing. You have to be very careful with it. You know, the idea and the thought would simply be, well, if it's a little's good, then a lot's better. That's not really the case at all. That, that's not the case necessarily. So be careful with this issue of moderation. Number two, let me just help you. Moderation will promote God and His Word. It, it'll promote God and His Word. Moderation will. Again, the Bible says, let your moderation be known unto all men. Do you realize that our lives are on display, but so is our moderation or lack thereof? I, I don't, listen, I don't know about you, but when I grew up at least, discipline was taught in my home, the home I grew up in. Not just discipline as far as, t you know, you know, you going to do what I say. But self-discipline. My mom wouldn't make more than two sandwiches for us as boys. She'd say, you don't need more than that. Any more than that is overindulgence. And I'm like, what? I'm starving, Mom. I want more food. She said, no, won't happen. Because she didn't want us to get to where we fed our flesh and couldn't say no to ourselves. Now, I don't know if she realized she was saying that, but she was. She's shaking her head. 
But you know what? We have to learn that there are things you, that, that there's a cutoff for things. There comes a point you say no to yourself. Discipline was something that we had to learn because it's not something that comes natural to the human being. And so we learned it. You learned it by denying self, by crucifying the flesh. According to our passage, once again, though, the Bible tells us that we are to display moderation in every aspect of our life. Because the world is watching. Listen, the world doesn't exhibit moderation in many cases. Overindulgence is what they teach. As a matter of fact, if you look at advertising, you can never have enough of anything. You always need more. You've got to have more. You've got to have more. You can never be happy, content, or satisfied. There's got to be something else. You've got to have more. Hey, that's a lack of moderation in a sense. Again, the world is flesh-driven. And moderation is not natural in this flesh. Indulgence is natural. In 1 John chapter 2, turn there, would you please? 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. The Bible says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. When the Bible begins to tell us and share with us the idea, let your moderation be known unto all men, the reality is, is that he's saying, listen, this is a fleshly world you live in. I mean, you know, this lust of this flesh, the lust of these eyes, the, the, even the pride of life, just your own attitude and heart toward the world. I mean, all of it is motivated and moved to the point where it's always going to be overindulgence. That's what we want. It's never enough. It's never enough. That's what the flesh says. One of the most difficult tricks is to, you know, in, in, now again, in the, the fast-paced culture that we live in, in the society we live in, is to find balance, isn't it? It's to find balance. Do you realize that balance is something that you never really find, though? I want you to think about this. Watch me for just a second. If I'm going to balance on the edge of this, now watch very carefully. I'm never 100% balanced. I'm always finding balance. I never arrive at balance in a sense. Someone says, well, you're balanced. You're staying on the beam. You're staying on the edge. Yes, but I'm always shifting weight to maintain balance. It's a fallacy to think that we can come to a place of balance and we forever remain balanced. We don't. We're forever finding balance. We're always coming to balance. And that is a reality that we have to be aware of. If we think we have found it in an area of our life, I promise you, you better keep watching circumspectly because you're going to get nailed in another area if you're not careful because we're always finding balance. Someone says, well, what about balance between my wife and my children, my home and the church and my ministry? And it's a constant issue. Balance. Constantly seeking balance. And in the world we live in, because we're, it's so fast-paced and everybody has all these demands on us, we will forever strive to maintain balance. Balance. 
Balance is something that is really missing in most lives, though. It really is. It's missing in most families. You know, if you talk to most parents, you hear things, you know, like, well, I can never get my kids to, and we never sit down together as a family, and we never... Well, that's obviously not balance. You get what I'm, no, no, it's, it's not necessarily wrong that you can't sit down every night for dinner. That's not wrong. But there does have to be balance. I, I mean, come on, never, never implies no balance. And, and therefore shows a lack of moderation in some area. Something's being squeezed out that needs to be in the home if you can never sit down with your teens. My teenagers are always in their room. I never can talk to them. They're always stuck in their room. That's a lack of moderation, lack of balance. So go grab them, drag them out of their room. It might help if they didn't have a television in there. It might help if they didn't have a phone in there. It might help if they didn't have a computer in there. It might help if they didn't have pornography in there. I'm a little fed up with all of it. Well, you can't take that stuff from kids today. All right. Well, then don't have any balance. And don't have any family time. And go ahead and allow your children to dictate the home and the environment of the home and the attitude of the home then. But in my opinion, from my experience and the Word of God, I found that your children will comply and do exactly what you expect them to do if you are consistent yourself. Now, moderation will promote God's, God and His Word then. A life of moderation provides us with balance, which ultimately provides us with order. And that is a result of restraint in our life. And God, we know, is, an, is not the author of confusion. He's a God of order. And let all things be done decently and in order, he says. So a believer's lifestyle, that, a, a lifestyle exhibiting those kind of qualities, uh, you know, those kind of characteristics will inspire and also cause others to even envy. Over in the book of Ephesians, turn there if you would, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. This passage is probably very well known to you. you. You'll read it and you'll go, oh man, I knew that by heart. But the Bible says, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Again, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, according to the Scriptures, we're not to be controlled by anything or anyone other than the Spirit then. That's really what the implication is of the passage. The idea is somebody can, we try to limit it to what it says. Yes, indeed. It says that we are to, obviously, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. That would be a failure to be moderate, lacking temperance. But the idea is, is that nothing, no one, Anything should ever control us other than the Spirit of God. We are children. We're to walk as children in the light. We're to, we're to, to uh, walk in the Spirit and will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, the Bible says. The man or the woman of God that is not bound by vice. That man or woman of God that, that is not controlled by their fleshly appetites 
They provide a tremendous example of what Christ can do in a life when someone is yielding control to him. So as the world views us and they see us no longer under the control or influence of other things, when they see that we don't allow anything to consume us, but all things are done in moderation, it is a tremendous testimony to a God who is able to do miraculous things in the life of a human being if a human being yields to them. Your family and your friends, and maybe you have friends and family that find themselves struggling in areas of their life. They're unbalanced. They're not exhibiting moderation in certain areas. As you exhibit moderation, you become an example to them of how life could be in Christ. So moderation, it can become a tremendous means to promote God and His Word. Number three, and finally, moderation will prevent shame and embarrassment. It'll prevent shame and embarrassment. You know that the Apostle Paul fully expected the Lord Jesus Christ to return in his day? It's amazing when we think we're 2,000 years removed from the Apostle Paul, but the fact is, is that Paul, like you and I, was looking up. He was expecting the Lord Jesus Christ to return and to ultimately establish his kingdom on earth, to rule and reign on the throne of David. He, he expected that to take place and happen. I don't believe he ever once thought, um, you know, that he would go through a tribulation period or that, that, that Jesus would certainly be back soon. He has to be coming. Now, we need to consciously and consistently remember that Jesus Christ is coming again. Amen. And that he's going to return at any moment. And because of that, we have to keep our eyes on the sky and realize every day we must live our life with moderation. Because he's coming back. And you know, we can't afford to allow our lives to be consumed with anything that would distract us from the cause of Christ then. Nothing. Listen, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that living for the Lord is easy. It is a complicated matter at times. It becomes difficult at times. But may I say the way of the transgressor is hard. Being a Christian is not hard in that sense. But there are battles to be fought. We aren't fighting them alone, but there are battles to be fought. There's nothing easy about being consistent and faithful in church three times a week and going out soul winning and teaching Sunday school and living the life before our friends and family who don't believe. Listen, let me say, it's not always easy, but it is worthwhile. And one day when Jesus returns, we'll say, it will be worth it all, we say. And it will be worth it all. Second Timothy, turn if you would please, to Second Timothy 2, 3 through 5. A very familiar passage once again. Here we find, again, the Christian being likened to a soldier. It says in 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 5, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned, except he strive lawfully. 
In the passage, we note a couple things. One, notice our standing or where we stand. We're soldiers, verse 3. We're soldiers. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Right there we see it, soldiers. But notice our sacrifice in verse 4, the first portion of verse 4, when it says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Let no one kid you. You have to die to self not to be involved and entangled with this world. You're going to have to say no to yourself if you're not going to get entangled with this world. You're going to have to sacrifice your personal comfort. You're going to have to give up some of your own personal desires if you really don't want to get bound, you don't want to get caught up with the world and ultimately be less effective as a soldier. There's going to be a sacrifice. We have to be careful to remove any distraction. We have to say, I will not sacrifice the best for good. Or I will not allow good to replace the best. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. That takes some discipline and that requires some sacrifice at times in our lives. Not only do we see our standing and our sacrifice, but in the latter portion of verse 4, we see our service when he says that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. The bottom line is that our greatest endeavor ought to be to please our captain. That's what our real service is, to please him. Do you realize that being a servant is not always being active? Being a servant is not always doing. Being a servant is being. And the fact is, is that the Lord Jesus Christ has every right to sit us on a sideline if he wants to and say, sit and be still. Because really, the only thing that pleases the master is a servant who obeys. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we put a lot of burden on our shoulders and we'll say things like, I just feel like I should be doing more. I feel like I should be doing more. Okay, that's fine, and I appreciate that. But let me ask you, where's your prayer life at? Where's your Bible reading at? Where's your devotional time with God? Well, how, as long are you accomplishing, or should I say fulfilling, the Word of God and obeying everything you know to do right now? Because if you are, I believe God can direct you and lead you. And until He tells you to do something, you need to just continue where you're going and quit trying to do more. Instead, just be. And be the servant you ought to be. And that might mean just teaching a Sunday school class and, and, and not running buses and teaching class and doing this and doing that. And maybe you just, God wants you to just do one thing for now. You say, wow, that's a preacher talking? Yeah, that just might be all he wants from you. And maybe there's a time in your life when you can do more than that and God makes it clear and says this is your time, but maybe God knows best. Maybe we ought to give him the benefit of the doubt of something. Moderation. We see our standing, our sacrifice, our service, and that endeavors to please our captain. But last, our success, verse 5. He goes on to ultimately say in the passage, If a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. See, we are bound by the rules. We are bound by rules and limits. That is a reality of our life. And success comes with God-given boundaries. And we have to strive lawfully. We've got to do things God's way. And moderation is God's way. There's nothing wrong but with, with having a big steak. I, I, see, my thing is this. If I want a big steak, I want the biggest steak I can get because I'm only going to get it once in a great while. Yeah. And so if I can get me a 24-ouncer, I'm eating me a 24-ouncer, and I guess I'm going to indulge once so I only have to repent once. But I couldn't afford to eat a steak like that every day. But let me tell you, it wouldn't do me good to do that, would it? Wouldn't be good on the old digestive tract. 
Wouldn't be good on a lot of areas of my life. It certainly wouldn't be good on this suit. And all I'm saying is, is that moderation is the key to life. And the Lord Jesus Christ makes it clear that that's the case. And in this case, he says, listen, there's going to be things you're going to have to do. You're going to have to restrain yourself. You're going to have to follow the rules. You're going to have to strive lawfully if you want success in the Christian life. That means moderation has to be a part of your life on every front. Second John chapter 1, verse 8 says, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. What a wonderful... Jesus is coming back, and we are soldiers, and we have a master we're to please, and we can't do that unless we strive lawfully, and moderation is just as important as any other command in Scripture. Turn to to 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 14. And then we're going to close this, but 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 14 talks about that day when we're going to stand before him. And I'm fearful that sometimes we don't talk enough about the judgment seat of Christ. The the judgment seat of Christ, again, is, is not primarily a time of condemnation, but commendation. God's goal in the judgment seat of Christ is not to to, to, to hit us with baseball bats on our head and tell us everything we didn't do. His real desire and goal is that he can reward us for what we have done. And we, we miss that sometimes. You know, a lot of preaching is negative, and I understand that. But the truth is, is that God's very positive, and he says, I'm establishing and I've set up this time of judgment because I intend for my people and I intend for my church and my bride to be to be pure and I expect them to be following my commands and I look forward to the privilege and the opportunity of sharing with them these wonderful rewards and of course we know in our heart we're going to give them right back to him but that's his real desire for our good again and he says in 1 Corinthians 3 11 through 14 we have this tremendous picture for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid than that is laid excuse me which is Jesus Christ Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. So we have this picture of of our works uh, and everything we've done since we've become a child of God. Everything that we have sought to do to please the Master, to obey the Word of God, every attitude, every action, and we have this idea, this this, this building upon this foundation of our salvation and on the Lord Jesus Christ, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble. And the picture is that of, of, of this day when all of that will finally come to fruition and everything we've done will go through the fire. It'll pass through the fire. Kind of like our building right now. <laughs> going through the fire. The testings. And it says, it shall be revealed by fire And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And it says, if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Now again, notice what he first emphasizes, the reward. He goes on to say, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. His goal is not to somehow cause you to shudder at the thought of, of, of the judgment seat, but it's to, to give you the idea that, yes, 
we have to be very concerned and very careful. We know that Paul the Apostle talked about the terror of the Lord, and we know that he's no one to trifle with. But on the other hand, we are to do our human best, filled with the Spirit of God, to, to, to be moderate in all of our ways and to be obedient in every aspect of our life so that we can go before God because we will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ either way and give an account and look forward to those gold, silver, and precious stone passing through the fire. Now listen, if you go into this judgment saying, I don't know. Man, I tell you honestly, I don't even want to go before the Lord because I know everything's going to get burned up. You need to change something. Now listen, I'm not foolish enough and I'm not arrogant enough to think I'm going to go up there and just, wow, run right through that thing. I'll tell you what, if we're sitting on pins and needles a little bit with the building inspections, let me tell you what, when it comes to my my life for eternity, I'm telling you what, that's that's big stuff. I mean, that's big time. You can't take that lightly at all, not in the least. But to basically throw our hands in the air and say, well, it won't matter what I do, it'll never be good enough anyway. You've discounted who's doing it in your life then. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, he began the work in you. He's going to perform it. So you obviously aren't yielding to him if you're not building up something that's going to last. Boy, we can't be guilty of that. We've got to allow ourselves to let God work in our life. Now, a life of moderation will present embarrassment, not just in this life. We've all known people, maybe even our own lives and our own selves, who were overindulgent in areas, and it created embarrassment in our life. We know what that's like. It's a horrible feeling. Or it's hard to watch other people that we love pay the consequences of the price for overindulgence. We've seen that over and over in this life. But moderation will not only prevent embarrassment in this life, but also in eternity. It doesn't matter what it is today. I don't care if it's family. You can overindulge in family. You can overindulge in a marriage. You can overindulge in any area of life. Any, you can pray too much. I know that sounds crazy, but you could, in a sense. I'm talking about with your eyes closed, on your hands and knees, praying. Now, I know you're to pray without ceasing. I understand that. I knew some theologian would catch me on that one. That's why I had to say that. (laughs) You've got to be in a spirit and an attitude of prayer constantly. I understand that. But let me tell you something. You're never going to get to work if you're on your knees praying like this. And that means somebody's not going to eat. That means that somebody wasn't moderate enough to make sure that all the hole was handled. Again, God knows what he's doing. That's all I'm saying. And that's true whether it be church, whether it be the Bible, whether it be our work, whether it be our family, whether it be recreation and leisure. It doesn't matter. Everything is to be done moderately. Hast thou found honey? Listen, you find some honey, especially if you're hungry. Think about Jonathan there during the time of battle. He sticks the end of the spear and that honey and licks it. The Bible says his eyes lit up. Boy, you find honey, it's sweet. But even that which is sweetest of God's creation, if overindulged in, will make you vomit. And that's true in anything that's good in life. Be very careful that we obey the biblical command 
Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Moderation. These young guys are looking at me right now and I, can, I know exactly what they're thinking. Praise the Lord. Moderation and homework. <laughs> I could feel it. I just saw it. I just saw the wheels turn and can't wait to get home and tell my parents why this is overindulgence. These, these teachers are out of their mind. Trust me, that 20 minutes you're spending a night is not overindulging, young men. <laughs> if you're spending that much time. Anything that we overindulge in will can ultimately make us sick. Let's be very careful that we exercise moderation to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we come to you. Thank